We're going to study tonight a tshuva in the Sefer Minchas Yehuda. It's a somewhat obscure work. It's not a work I really had heard of before, before I happened to be browsing through once and came across this tshuva. It is, however, a very interesting tshuva, both from a human interest perspective, it's an interesting case, as well as, more, more importantly, more significantly, the analysis contained therein. It is an interesting insight into the halachic process, how a posseik arrives at a conclusion, in particular, as we'll see at the beginning, when he strongly wants to arrive at a lenient conclusion. And moreover, the halachic analysis, besides being interesting in and of itself, the halachic analysis is relevant to a scenario that arises quite often in contemporary times, which is, and, and the halacha is not a settled matter, postgim posts can come down on both sides, and that is the question of a woman who is expecting to give birth imminently, she's close to her due date, must she live near, must she remain near the hospital for Shabbos, can she go away, if she travels farther away, she may have to take a a car, an ambulance on Shabbos a farther distance, if she has to go to the hospital, does she have an obligation to try to remain as close as possible within walking distance to her to the hospital or not, Different poskim take very different positions on this. That's not actually the case Minchas Yehuda is discussing, but his analysis will be relevant to this case, as we'll see as we go on. Minchas Yehuda's tshuva was written about 125 years ago. It was written that the tshuva is dated Leil Hoshana Rabbah. It's an interesting time to write a tshuva. The night of Hoshana Rabbah. We don't even write on Cholomoi generally, unless Divrei Torah poskim say you can write, because it's Dover HaAved, if you have important Torah thoughts and you don't write them down, you may forget them. He says at the end of the tshuva, he explains why he's writing it down. This is a very long tshuva. It goes on for pages and pages and pages and pages, full of erudition. It uh, kind of boggles the mind that he wrote all this on Hoshanah Rabbah night, but Kalal Yisrael has had some great Talmud Yechachamim, including some who are less famous. This was written the night of Hoshanah Rabbah, the year of Tafresh Nunhei, that would be eight, that would be 1894 if it was Hoshana Rabbah. And the question was as follows. And this will explain why he wrote the Chuva on the night of Hoshana Rabbah. He says that an order from the government, this is somewhere in Eastern Europe or Russia, an order of the government came down, was handed down. Anyone who had served in the army, anyone who was a veteran, who had spent some time in the armed forces from, from a certain year until the present, was commanded to present himself on Simchas Torah. On the day of Simchas Torah, he was obligated to present himself at a certain village. The village was apparently a few miles away from the city he was writing in, the city of Dabrzinski. Um, the small village, the village of Radaman, there was a command that all army veterans, Jews and non-Jews, had to present themselves on the day that worked out to the day, be the day of Simchas Torah at this village. And there were some Jews who were included in this order, about 60 Jews. So what should they do? Now, it wasn't an issue of driving. They weren't operating motor vehicles. It sounds like they were going to walk. It wasn't even an issue, apparently, of riding an animal. They were going to walk. But the problem was, it, was, it seems like it was a few miles away. And the problem was that it was outside the Tchum. We're, we're often used to not even thinking about the Tchum because we have, we have large urban areas and sprawl and everything just runs into one another. But uh, in the, old, the olden times, 100 years ago, 
you had cities and villages, and then they ended, and there were open spaces. Meseches Erevin, we have dozens of dafim about Truman, the laws of Truman. So the, many dafim about Truman. So you can't go more than 2,000 amas on Shabbos outside the city. And to walk from Dabrazinski to Radomin was outside the Tchum Shabbos. So what should they do? Can they, can they, can they walk on Yontif itself? Can they somehow violate Tchum for this purpose? Should they go on Erev Yontif, on Hoshana Rabbah, which would be Erev Yontif of Shemini Yatzeres and Simchas Torah, in order to avoid violating the Tchum? What are they supposed to do, these people? And in the Tshuva, he's going to explain more what the issues are, why, why they would want to do one way more than the other. So he writes as follows. He sets up the question as follows in the tshuva. He says, at first glance, we would say that they are obligated to travel before Yom Tov. He said, people had various solutions, but the, but the solutions are worthless. Ein bahem mamish, ein laharach bitulam. They're, 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 all, uh, they're, they're all wrong, he says. At first glance, it seems that they should have to travel before Yom Tov. They should have to travel on Oshan Araba, on Erev Yom Tov, to the village spend the couple of days of Yontif there, and then come back after Yontif. However, he says, that would be what the halacha would appear to be at first blush. However, he says, Yan ami I see how difficult this is going to be for his co-religionists to be there the entire Yontif in the village by themselves, away from the Jewish community, away from their family, away from the family, as he's going to explain. Therefore, I'm going to consider this carefully, to see if we can find a heter. As we'll see, he's going to go on for pages and pages and pages and pages to try to find a heter. At the end of the tshuva, he is pretty confident that he has found a heter for them to stay in the stay at home for Simchas Torah and, and walk and stay at home for Yantif and just walk over on Simchas Torah. However, at the very end of the tshuva, he's going to say, this is what I think, but since it's a tr- this is a tremendous chiddush, and people see this as a uh, radical kula, therefore uh, I'm unwilling to, 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 to go on record for this, I just want to throw these svaras out there to see if people agree. But beginning and the end of the tshuva, he feels that the, that, that the simple answer would be aser. They, they, they have no right to violate Tchum Shabbos. In order to avoid violating the Tchum, they have to travel before Shabbos and spend Shabbos in this little village of Radim. However, it's going to be difficult for them, and throughout the tshuva he'll explain why, and therefore he's going to see if he can find a hetter for them. So, before even getting into the hetter, he sets up the basic contours of the question. He says, let's first reduce this to, to simpler propositions. He says, let's say the command would have come down on Yom Tov. Everyone is sitting here at home, enjoying their Yom Tov, and then the word comes in, you have two hours right now on Yom Tov, you have to present yourself in Radaman. And there's no solution. It, there's no Erev Yom Tov to hear. It, the command came down on Yom Tov. Would we be allowed to violate Trum and walk to Radaman on Yom Tov, to violate the Trum on Yom Tov? The answer is yes, he says. Why? Why? What gives me the right, just because the government wants me to, what gives me the right to violate Trum? And the answer is, of course, because when the government wants something, the government is going to be angry if it does not get what it wants. They are going to throw you in jail, he says. If you don't appear, if the, if the military veterans don't appear at the appointed time, they will be thrown into jail. Particularly, he says, if, if the Jewish community as a whole doesn't show up, then certainly the government will realize it's an organized and uh, systematic flouting of the law. Particularly, he says, because 
when this command had first been issued, the Jewish community realized it was going to be difficult. So they appealed, they negotiated with the government to try to uh, find some solution for this. And the government simply said, no. The government said, no. The government said, tough, this is the rule. You be there on Yantif or face the consequences. And now that, now that we've been warned, we've, we've petitioned and been denied, certainly, he says, if we Jews en masse don't show up on Yom Tov, certainly the government is going to be very, very unhappy. They will be furious and outraged that, that, that we asked. They said no, and we did it anyway, he says. There is a serious concern for a serious uh, punishment of jail, of Tfisa, he calls it. Therefore, he says, as a matter of standard halachic, uh, procedure, he says, this would be mutter. That if there's no solution but to violate the tchum, we would allow it, because tchum, less than yud base mill, a mill is 2,000 amas, so it's something on the order of uh, three, 4,000 feet. So, so, so 12 mil, 12 mil is on the order of 9 miles or so. It's the, anything less than 9, anything less than 9 miles, we paskin is definitely tchum and midrabanan. Once you hit nine miles, once you hit Yud Beis Mill, at that point there's a machlokas, we shown him whether Tchumen is Darais or Midrabanan. But less than Yud Beis Mill, ordinary Tchum Shabbos of 2,000 Amas, that's definitely only Midrabanan. And therefore, he says, when we're dealing with an Isidrabanan, and also it's Yom Tavsheni, Simchas Torah, by definition, is Yom Tavsheni Shalgalias, which is certainly mandatory, but it's only Midrabanan. Midrabanan is only one day of Yom Tov, the first day. So therefore, he says, since it's drabanan for not one but two different reasons, Truman lesson Yud Beis Mill is drabanan, Yom Tov Sheni is drabanan. Therefore, he says, certainly you would be allowed to violate Chum to avoid a serious risk of being thrown in jail. He brings various Akron who make this point that even though for mere convenience you can't simply ignore Yisurim drabanan, jail is serious business. Jail can be a, it can be a substantial danger to your to your well being. And therefore, post can say in Yeridea that you can violate an Isidra Rabbanan to avoid being thrown in jail. All right, so that's the first step. If there would be no possibility of traveling before Yom Tov, that's the, the starting point of this discussion. If there were no possibility of, of, of traveling before Yom Tov, you would be allowed to violate Yom Tov because of, in order to avoid jail. But now the question is, and that's, that's what occupies the, the, the remaining 98% of the tshuva, he says that this edict was handed down before Yom Tov. We're, asked, we're discussing the question on Hashanah Rabbah. They have an Eitzah. They can avoid Tchum and jail. They can have the best of both worlds. Avoid Tchum. Avoid violating Tchum and Yom Tov. Avoid jail by traveling to, the, traveling to the appointed spot before Yom Tov. Maybe I should have to do that. However, he says, there is, this, this also is not, a, uh, is not an ideal solution because... Uh, Everything comes at a cost. What's wrong with doing this? What's wrong with traveling before Yom Tov? His problem is, there is Beetle Simchas Yom Tov. By traveling before Yom Tov and spending your Yom Tov in this, uh, in this non-Jewish village of Radaman, he says, you're going to have a major, major Beetle of Simchas Yom Tov. You won't be able to enjoy Yom Tov properly. And Simchas Yom Tov is Mitzvah Seim and Atar. He spends a while, I omitted the excerpt, he spends a while, I omitted that section of the tshuva, he spends a while explaining that the, the mitzvah of enjoying Yom Tov is a mitzvah even though he points out, the Gemara says, you fulfill that with carbon shlamim. We had that in Daf Yomi a little while back, Shalmei Simcha. You have that with a carbon shlamim. 
And even when there's no Shlomim, the Gemara talks about uh, each class of people should fulfill Simcha with appropriate, concrete, physical means to Simcha. Men drink wine, women get new clothing, children get candy, treats, Klayos Vagozim. So the Gemara, the Gemara the, the, like Halacha in general, the, the mitzvahs are not just abstractions, not just emotional states. Mitzvahs are associated with concrete, concrete physical, external actions. Hagir Mekayim Simcha, that's all true, he says. But at the end of the day, he's, he, he discusses at some length, he says there's no getting past the fact that true Simcha, ultimate Simcha, is internal. It's belief. The Halacha makes certain rules of, of how, you're, how you're supposed to arouse the Simcha and how you're, spo- how you're supposed to trigger Simcha. But at the end of the day, there is fundamentally a mitzvah to experience Simcha. And if you do things, he explains, that detract from your ability to feel Simcha, that's a violation of a mitzvah semidaraisa. And that's going to be the linchpin of the remainder of the tshuva, that spending Yom Tov in this uh, unpleasant village, unpleasant for Jews at least, away from their family, is a violation of Simchas Yom Tov. So that's going to be, his, uh, that's going to be the, the, the foundation of all his arguments for the rest of the tshuva, that going before Yom Tov, you'll avoid jail, and you'll avoid tchum, You'll avoid the Isra of Tchum, but that will come at the cost of being Mavatel Simchas Yomtov. Mavatel of Simchas Yomtov. So now, for the rest of the Tshuva, his analysis revolves around the question of so what's more important? Which takes precedence? I can't satisfy all these three things. I can't stay out of jail, enjoy Simchas Yomtov, and not violate Tchum. I can get two out of three, pick two. Which two do you want? Uh, so the question is which way gives? Which one gives way? Should I? Go for the Simchas Yom Tov, or should I go for the Tchum? So first he develops this point. He explains how there will be a terrible breach of Simchas Yom Tov if you have to travel to this place before Yom Tov. He says, it'll be for you, it'll be for your family, he says. Both of you will uh, lose their Simchas Yom Tov. He says, you'll be depressed, you'll be, uh, you'll be disappointed. Emotionally, you'll be separated from your family. On, on, on this man Chasenu, to a place of darkness and Choshech uh, Ve'efel. He says, you won't have anything, you won't have food, you'll sleep on the floor, he says later in the tshuva, there weren't apparently uh, proper hotels or even uh, decent military barracks for, uh, for sleeping in, he says. You won't even have a place to sleep, you'll sleep on the floor, he says here. He says here, he already makes that point here. He says, these are all things that, uh, that ruin your mood. Simcha says you won't have your stuffed animals with you if you travel to a far away from home. He says also your, your family will be sad. Your family will be very sad. The, 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 the man of the house will be away, which obviously is going to uh, impact on their Simcha Yom Tov. He goes on and on, develops this point at some length, and therefore he says there is, there is a serious price to pay, a halachic price to pay for traveling before Yom Tov. So now he says that everyone will be sad, and then, even, though even, even, though, even though he says regardless, you're going to treat, you have to go on Simchas Torah, so definitely there'll be some loss of Simchas, of Simchas Yontav regardless, but it's more. If you travel in Hashanah Rabbah, you're missing two days away from your family instead of just half a day. Furthermore, he says, psychologically, being away for a small amount of time doesn't trigger the same level of disappointment and of, uh, of sadness that being away for an extended period of a couple of days does, he says. Um, so he says, therefore, there is, a, there, there is no question, he says, that there is a serious infringement of Simchas Yom Tov by traveling earlier. And therefore what? So he says, now maybe we can argue that the Mitzvah say of Simchas Yom Tov should override 
the the dindra banan of tchumen. Certainly, the second day of yantif, the dindra banan of tchumen on the second day of yantif of lesson yud beis milk. However, he says this uh, this initial proposal, this naive argument, he says is 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 just too good to be true. It's just, it's just too good to be true, he says. It, 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 it simply it proves too much, as the lawyers say. We simply can't say that in order to do a mitzvah daraisa, we can violate and ignore a, a dindra baran like tchum. The halacha is not like that, he says. The halacha is clearly not like that. The halacha is, the mission, it's, a, it's an explicit mission, he says, that you can't violate the isra of tchum to get a shofar. You can't violate any isra of to get a shofar. You can't violate the isra of tchum to get a shofar. He has a lengthy discussion whether we do passing like that. We don't pass like that. But the bottom line is, he says, it's halacha psukha. You can say pilpul, you can, you can make cheshbonos in the Gemara. But the basic halacha is, you cannot violate the surim drabanan to do a mitzvah daraisa. Even, in particular, it's explicit, you can't violate the isra of tchumen to do the mitzvah of shofar, he says. And therefore, whatever the, the merit and the logic of this idea would be, it is clearly wrong. It is clearly not lahalacha. You are clearly not allowed to violate the isra of tchumen in order to do a mitzvah daraisa. Why not? So he brings, he brings several reasons why that, why, why not. The Gemara gives one reason. The Gemara says the reason you don't violate Tchum to do the mitzvah of Shofar is because the, the Isser of Malacha and Yom Tov, of Tchum and Yom Tov, is an Asei Velos Asei. It's not, just a, it's, it's not just a question of one against one. The Isser of violating Yom Tov has, has, two, has two prohibitions. As a mitzvah Asei of... It has a mitzvah Asei of um, the Gemara says, my time, shofar asehu. The mitzvah of shofar is one mitzvah asehu. But the yom tov is asehu velos asehu. Keeping yom tov, avoiding, of, avoiding prohibited activities on yom tov is a mitzvah asehu and a mitzvah los asehu. So that cannot be overridden by the mitzvah of shofar. And the same thing applies to Simchas Yom Tov, he says. He says the same thing would apply that you can't do the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov at the expense of the uh, asehu and the los asehu of, of, of Averis of Yom Tov. Furthermore, he said it's not be'idna. We have a general rule that you can only you can only violate say You can sometimes do, you can sometimes violate a losa say to do an assay. That's only when you when it happens all in one shot. While you violate the losa say, you fulfill the assay. Here you have to. Here it's a preliminary step. You have to first violate the iser of tchum in order to get your shofar, then blow the shofar. You have to first violate that that, that the iser of the tchum is not happening at the same time as the mitzvah of simchas yamtiv. They happen at two separate stages, and therefore. Therefore, there, there's no dinasei dochalosasei. Whatever the reason is, he says, the, the Mishnah says so, the Gemara says so, the halacha clearly is that we do not allow the violation of tchum in order to fulfill a mitzvah, even though tchum is drabanan, even though the mitzvah is daraisa. We apply the rule that sometimes the Chachamim, the Chacham insisted that their halachas be fulfilled even at the expense of a mitzvah in Torah, even if, even if the price of following the Chachamim will be that you can't do a mitzvah daraisa, doesn't matter. The halacha, the halacha is the Chachamim insisted that their rules be followed, and even the second day of Yom Tov we treat like the first day. He has a lengthy discussion about that as well, but that is his conclusion. The second day of Yom Tov is treated like the first day for these purposes, and therefore, once again, we are stuck that even though on paper it sounds like the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov is of greater importance, of greater weight than the Isser of Tchum Dura on the second day of Yom Tov, Nevertheless, as a matter of normative halacha, you are not allowed to violate an Isser Drabanan, even on the second day of Yom Tov, in order to fulfill an, a mitzvah daraisa. So once again, we're stuck. What, would be the, what could be the heter of waiting until the second day of Yom Tov to travel and thereby violating Tchum? 
you have an Eitzah. Do it on Erev Yantav. Do it on Hashanah Rabbah. And this way, even you, you'll have to forfeit Simchas Yantav, but at least you won't be over the Aver of Tchum. So Lachara, once again, we're back to where we started, that you should have to, you should have to forego Simchas Yantav in order to avoid violating the mitzvah of Tchum, but in order to avoid, in order, in order to avoid violating the mitzvah of Tchum. So now he gets to the heart of the matter. Now he proposes a major, a major argument for leniency. He brings a celebrated machlokas between Rabbeinu Zrachi Halevi, the Raza, the Balamar, and the Ramban in Masecha Shabbos. The halacha is, they used to need, we don't do this today, but they used to use hot water. Hot water was considered essential for the performance of bris mila. A baby needed hot water to be treated with hot water, and without hot water, it was considered a question of pikuach nefesh to, for, for a baby to have a mila on Shabbos. So they used to heat up water before Shabbos and keep it in an urn or keep it, uh, keep it available before Shabbos. So let's say that the hot water is spilled. There is no hot water anymore. So now what happens? So if the mila already occurred, you went ahead and did the mila, and you ran to get the hot water, and you discovered it was all spilled out. No more hot water. So what do you do? So that's Pashat. We showed him that, that's Pashat. That, that's Pikuach Nefesh. It was considered Beis Yosef and the Ramad discuss why we don't do that today. Nishtana Teva. Today it's not Pikuach Nefesh. But whatever it is, from the perspective of the Gemara, hot water was considered a, literally a matter of life and death for a baby with a brismila. And therefore, if the brismila was already done, there is no question. It goes without saying, we will be Machal Shabbos. We'll light a fire to heat up water, cook the water to save the baby's life to ensure the baby's safety. But the, so that, that's Pashat. Now, the machlo, there is a machlokis, though, between the Balamar and the Ramban about what happens if you realize before the brismila that you don't have any hot water. So you're about to do the brismila, you check on the hot water, and you realize there's no hot water left. So, the, so this is a machlokis between the Balamar and the Raza. Can you do the brismila anyway? So the Raza says that the that you skip the Mila in such a case, because Mila itself is Docha Shabbos, but Machshire Mila, preparations for the Mila, are not Docha Shabbos. Even if that means the Mila will have to be skipped, we do, we do not perform the Mila. The Ramban disagrees. The Ramban says that since, if, since the bottom line is, if you don't heat up the water, you won't be able to do the Mila, and Mila is Docha Shabbos, so the same way the Mila is Docha Shabbos, in this case as well, the, in this case as well, the, the, the Ramban says, you will do the Mila and heat up the water because it's necessary to do the Mila, and that's what you have to do. The Ramban says, look, Mila is Docha Shabbos. It's true, Machshir Mila is not Docha Shabbos. The Mila is Docha Shabbos. To do the Mila, and once you do the Mila, it's Bikuach Nefesh. At this point, I have no choice. I have to heat up the water. So Manav Shach, the Ramban says, you're, you're, you're fine, you're golden, everything is fine. Don't heat up the water. But the mila you can do, right? The mila is Delcha Shabbos. So do the mila. Now that you did the mila, it's Bikuach Nefesh. Now I have no choice, I have to heat up the water. That's the sheet to the Ramban. Balamara says no, that uh, don't play games. The Balamara says you know perfectly well that when you do the mila, that will, that will entail heating up water, and heating up water is not Delcha Shabbos. So don't do the mila. That's what the Balamara holds. This is a major machlokshvi shonim. The, the consensus of the postkim sides with the Balamar that we do not do the Mila, although the Balamar Shita is, uh, is a celebrated Shita that we actually go ahead 
and we do do the Mila. So, the, getting back to the Minchas Yehuda, so he brings, he brings this Machlokas, and he says, so what do, we see, what do we see from the Ramban? We see from the, we see from the Ramban that when I have something that's the, that's the right thing to do, it's a mitzvah right now, I do it. The fact that the mitzvah will trigger, will cause me later to have to do something else, at that point, I'll have to do it. There'll be a hetero pikuach nefesh, and that's fine. Says in Minchas Yehuda, we can, make, we can apply the same type of reasoning to our case. Right now, I'm not doing any Yisra of Tchum. Right now, I'm simply staying home in my village of Dabrazin, in my city of Dabrazinski, to enjoy Simchas Yomtov, fulfill the mitzvah with my family, my food, and my bed. So right now, everything is fine. Now, I know that by doing this, tomorrow I'm going to have to go and violate Tchum, because otherwise I'll be thrown in jail. Well, tomorrow, that's it'll be mutter, because we already established, it's not Pikuach Nefesh here, but we already established that getting thrown in jail, avoiding getting thrown in jail, is a good enough reason to allow the violation of Tchum. So just like the Balamaris, just like the Ramban says, I can do the Mila, I can do the Mila now, even though I know that that means that later I'll have to Mechal Shabbos because of Pikuach Nefesh, that'll be mutter, because there'll be Pikuach Nefesh. The same thing here. I can stay home today and do the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov, even though I know that will mean that tomorrow, two days from now, on Yom Tov, I'll have to be Mechal Yom Tov by violating Tchum in order to avoid getting thrown in jail. That'll be mutter. So he says, this is, this, this, is, this, is the, this is the argument. This is the argument between the Ramban and the Balamar. Are you allowed to fulfill a mitzvah today? Are you allowed to fulfill a mitzvah now if I know that a consequence of doing so will result in my being, being required to violate Shabbos or Yom Tov? It'll be mutter at that point, but, but I'm triggering it now by doing the mitzvah now. The Ramban says yes. So the halacha is, I can do that here also as well. I can remain home and fulfill Simchas Yom Tov today even though the price I'm going to pay tomorrow is I'm going to have to violate Yom Tov because of Sakana of jail. So, great. According to the Ramban, it should be mutter. The problem is, we don't pass like the Ramban. The problem is that the Balamar disagrees and the, the weight of halachic opinion is on the side of the Raza. That you're not allowed to do Mila if that'll trigger the need to, to heat up the water. The, the Balamar. The, we we Paskin like the, the, we Paskin the Icarus like the Balamar. You're not, you don't do the Mila if you know that'll trigger the need to heat up water and be Mechal Shabbos. So here too, maybe you shouldn't do Simchas Yom Tov today if you know that the price of that is that you are going to have to be Mechal Yom Tov in two days from now by violating Tchum. Says the Minchas Yehuda, no. Over here, even, it's true that the Iker is like the, is like the Balamar, but over here, even the Balamar would agree. Why? He says, because there's a big difference between our case and the case of the Balamar. In the case of the Balamar, it already is Shabbos. I'm doing the Mila on Shabbos. So right now, the mitzvah of Shabbos is, is staring me in the face and saying, keep Shabbos. Zachar is Shabbos lo keep the Isra of Tchum. So right now, the Isra of Shabbos is, is in force. It, it, it's Shabbos today already. So I'm, I'm, I'm bound by the Isra of Shabbos. Therefore, the Balamar says, I'm not allowed to do anything today that will trigger a violation of Shabbos later, even though the violation later will be Machmas Pikuach Nefesh, doesn't matter. Right now I have the option of abstaining from the mitzvah, and I won't have to be Machal Shabbos later. Since it is Shabbos right now, the mitzvah of Shabbos looks me in the eye and says, it's Shabbos. Don't do anything that will cause Chil Shabbos later, even if that'll be because of Pikuach Nefesh. You have a choice. Skip the Mila, and you won't have to be Machal Shabbos. Since it's Shabbos right now, says the Balamar, you have an obligation to anticipate future Chil Shabbos and avoid doing the Mila if you know, if you realize that will trigger Chil Shabbos later. 
However, in our case, says the Minchas Yehuda, it's not Shabbos yet. It, it's Chalamoid still. On Chalamoid, there's no Yisur of Tchum. It's Yom Tov, it's Chal Moed, but there's no Yisur of Tchum on Chalamoid. I don't have the Yisurim of Yom Tov staring me in the face. It's not Yom Tov till tomorrow. It's not Simchas Torah until two days from now. So the mitzvahs of Yom Tov are not yet binding upon me. I know there's a halacha of Yom Tov in the Torah, but it's not yet Yom Tov, so the mitzvah doesn't yet apply. It's not in force. Therefore, even the Malamar would agree that I have no obligation to be concerned for a future violation of Yom Tov, particularly since right now I have a mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov. The mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov applies in Chalamoid as well. Chalamoid is Yom Tov. The Yisuri Malacha don't apply. Some of them don't apply in Chalamoid. But the mitzvahs of Yom Tov, the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov applies equally the entire seven days of Pesach and the entire eight days of Sukkot and Shemini Atzeres. So on Chalamoid, on Hashanah Rabbah, the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov is binding, is in full force. The Isser of Tchum does not yet apply. It doesn't kick in till tomorrow, till two days from now. Therefore, everyone would agree to the Ramban. I'm allowed to fulfill my mitzvah, which is incumbent upon me today. It's not incumbent upon me to worry about what's going to happen on Yom Tov. And therefore, I am perfectly entitled to go ahead and do the mitzvah today. And not to, I can and I should. That, that's my obligation. I have to be concerned with the mitzvah that is in force right now, the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov. I am, it's not my business to worry about the mitzvah that, occur, that, that will come into effect when, when, when Shemini Atzeres begins. And therefore, the correct thing to do is to stay home today, enjoy Simchas Yom Tov today, of Hashanah Rabbah, and the first day of Shemini Atzeres, and not worry about the, the Tchum thing until, and, and, and worry about that when it comes, when, when, when that comes in two days from now, then I'll worry about Tchum. At that point, I'll have no choice because I have to violate Tchum to avoid being thrown into jail. And that is essentially the, the main argument, the, one of two of the two main arguments that the Minchas Yehuda brings in favor of his position. And he supports this by a steer in the Balamar, much discussed by other Akronim as well, the Balamar seems to be a steer. Here the Balamar says, you're not allowed to do the Mila if I know that that will trigger the need to heat up water. Elsewhere, however, the Balamar says, based on a sugya and Shabbos, we're not going to get into the whole sugya, but the Balamar Paskins, a, a very, very famous ruling of the Balamar, it is permitted in certain circumstances, in the first part of the week, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, it is permitted to embark on a sea voyage, to, to uh, enter a ship and take a voyage that is planned to extend through Shabbos, even if I know that I will have to Michal Shabbos. I know that at sea, things occur that require me to Michal Shabbos. Somehow it'll be my job as a, as a passenger, as a sailor, whatever I am, I will have to be Michal Shabbos. Says the Balamar, I am still allowed to enter that ship as long as I do it more than three days before Shabbos, the, the first three days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, even later in the week, if it's Lidvar Mitzvah, you can do it. I'm allowed to do it despite the fact that this will entail Chil Shabbos when Shabbos comes. So the Balamar tells us, he sounds like the Ramban over here, he says that I can do what I want today, I can do it, I'm allowed to embark on this voyage, tomorrow it'll be Chil Shabbos, all right, it's Bikok Nefesh, I'll do what I have to do then, I don't have to worry in advance, I'm allowed to do things that I want to do now, even though I know they'll trigger Chil Shabbos tomorrow. So when it comes to the Mila, the Balamar tells us, you're not allowed to do Mila, you're not allowed to do Mila, if I know it will cause me to have to heat up water because of the pikuach nefesh to the baby, when it comes to the ship, the Balamar said, I'm allowed to embark on the ship, even though I know that it will trigger the need to be mechal, that even though I know it will trigger the need to be mechal Shabbos because of pikuach nefesh. What's the difference? Why in the case of the Mila? Mila is such a great mitzvah. And yet the Balamar said, I'm not allowed to do Mila if I know it will trigger the need for Chil Shabbos. 
but I'm allowed, to, I'm allowed to enter a boat, even though I know that will trigger the need for Chal Shabbos. Why are those two things different? Says the Minchas Yehuda, says a bunch of Achronim, the Chiluk is what we just said. The Balmar is talking about doing Mila on Shabbos. On Shabbos, you're not allowed to begin an action that will trigger the need to Mechal Shabbos because of Bikuach Nefesh. But before Shabbos, you're allowed to. Before Shabbos, if you did a Mila before Shabbos and you knew that would trigger somehow the need to Mechal Shabbos on Shabbos, if that was possible, that would be fine. But before Shabbos is fine. You can get into the boat before Shabbos. What you can't do is get. What you can't do is take action on Shabbos that will trigger the need to Mechal Shabbos because on Shabbos you're already bound by the laws of Shabbos, and you can't do things that will trigger the need to Mechal Shabbos. So based on this distinction, which he feels he's proven from within the Shita of the Balamar himself, therefore the Minchas Yehuda concludes that on Hoshana Rabbah it's not yet Yontif for the purposes of Melacha and Tchum. And therefore, on Hoshana Rabbah, I am allowed to do whatever I want, and therefore I'm a to do that. I'm a to do things that will, that will maintain my Simchas Yantov, because Simchas Yantov does apply to Chalamoid, even if the law of Tchum does not. Therefore, even the Balamar would agree, both Ramban and the Balamar would agree, that I am allowed to, that I'm allowed to, and therefore I'm to, remain in my city on Hoshana Rabbah, because preserving the Simchas Yantov is my duty today. The mitzvah of Tchum doesn't kick in and it doesn't, uh, doesn't address me until Yom Tov, which is not yet here, and therefore I should stay in my city and maintain Simchas Yom Tov and not travel until I'm absolutely forced to do so. The Minchas Yehuda then makes a second argument. He says, another reason why you'd be allowed to stay where you are, even barring this whole calculation about the Balamar, he says, that whole discussion of the Balamar and the Ramban is you want to actively do something like bris mila, you want to actively get into a boat, you want to take a positive action, bakum vaseh, that will trigger the need to be mechal Shabbos because of sakana and so on. There we have a whole discussion, machlokas rambanam balamar, we have other chalukim of the achronim and, and all kinds of pilpulim, whether you're allowed to do that or not. When you take active measures, an active step that will, that will result, that will likely result, that will certainly result in chal Shabbos, then there's a major machlokas and all kinds of chilukim as to whether such action is mutter or not. However, he says, what are you doing here? You're not doing anything. You're just staying home. You live here. You live in the city of Dabrzinski. He says, so all you're doing is you're not choosing to travel to the village of Radaman. So B'Shev Valtasa, you're simply not doing something that might help you avoid Chil Shabbos tomorrow. That, he says, is certainly much more lenient that certainly he says to, to simply, all, this, all the discussion about, about violating Tchum to get a chauffeur and embarking on a sea voyage and doing a mila, all these different cases we've been discussing heretofore are all cases where you're going to actively do something, you're going to take a positive step that will trigger the need to Mechal Shabbos, and there there are all kinds of chalukim in the postgame, whether you're allowed to do that, whether you're not allowed to do that, that is a major discussion. But simply remaining passive and not choosing to take steps today that will avoid Chil Shabbos or Chil Yantif tomorrow, that is Pashat, he says, there's no obligation to do that, at least not when that will come at the cost of violating a mitzvah today. Again, right now, if I stay here, B'Shev Valtas and do nothing, I'll have Simchat Yantif, I'll have good food, I'll have my bed, I'll have my family. If Bekumva say, you want me to get up and travel somewhere else to avoid Chil Yantif tomorrow, I don't have to do that. I can stay where I am, B'Shev Valtaseh, passively maintain my Simchas Yamtov and not take active measures to avoid Tchumen tomorrow. In Ochanami, he says, if I, if I currently found myself in Radaman 
and I want to go actively travel back on Hoshana Rabbah to Dabrzinski, that might be more of a problem. To actively travel away from the city where I have to be on, on, uh, on Yom Tov, thereby triggering a violation of Tchum in a couple of days' time, that's Enochinami. That would be a much more problematic thing to do. That would be depend on all the distinctions we've been making before, whether you're it's before Yontif and on Yontif and so on, the Balamar and all those Chalukim. But here, I already live in, uh, in, in my hometown. I'm already in Dabrzinski. I'm not in Radaman. You want me to go actively move myself there in order to, uh, in order to avoid this? I have no obligation to do that, he says. He says, I'm allowed to stay where I am. I'm allowed to stay where I'm, I'm allowed to, and I should stay where I am. I'm allowed to stay where I am to preserve my Simchas Yamtov, even if that means that tomorrow I'm going to be forced to violate Tchum. That's not my concern right now. Right now, status quo is I am where I am, and I have Simchas Yamtov. And certainly, he says, it is, it is utterly logical to argue that I'm not mechuyev to change the status quo and bekum say leave where I am now in order to avoid Chil Shabbos at a later date, Yontif that hasn't even come yet, Chil Yontif that hasn't even occurred yet, and, and, and to actively lose my Simchas Yontif, I'm not obligated to do that, better that I stay where I am, preserve my Simchas Yontif, and uh, worry about the Chil Yontif when it comes in a couple of days' time. This is, this is the point he develops in about a dozen pages, at the very end of the tshuva, as I mentioned earlier, he says, all the way at the very end, he writes that the, he thinks this is very logical. He writes that Hadind and Emes, this is true. They shouldn't travel. They should remain where they are until Simchas Torah. I think this is Baru Lahalachi, he says. Avalamaisi says, it's Dover Chadash. That he feels this is novel. This is something, uh, this is something provocative. Milsa de Tamue Til Haolam. People think this is, a, uh, this is a tremendous leniency to not require him to travel before Yom Tov. Um, he says, therefore, I don't want to rely on my own opinion until my, my colleagues, my peers, my teachers shall agree with me. And for this purpose, he says, I've written this all down, and uh, I put this all down on paper so anyone else can read it and draw their own conclusions about whether I am right or not. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this analysis has tremendous practical application to women who are in their, who are, Im, who are imminently expecting a baby, who are in the, close to their due date. So, let's say a woman lives near her hospital, and she's considering going to visit her parents for Shabbos. Some women won't want to do that at all. They want to be close to the hospital. But let's say, let's say she's willing to roll the dice. But she knows that there is a chance that if she goes into labor, she's going to have a much longer trip to her hospital. So are you allowed to do that? So we've been dealing with cases mostly today where the Chil Shabbos is definite, not, not a suffix. The Chil Shabbos is a vada. So obviously the fact that in the case of the ninth month, she doesn't know she's going into labor on Shabbos. She's probably hoping she isn't if she's traveling away from her hospital for Shabbos. So certainly that is much more lenient when there's no, when, because it's, it's not a vada. Even in the case of the ship embarking on a, on a sea voyage where you know there'll be Chil Shabbos, the Rappos will say that we're talking about a case where the Chil Shabbos is also not Vadai. The whole discussion is about a case where the Chil Shabbos is, uh, is possible. We don't know. I'll call upon him, is there an obligation for a woman to remain, in, to remain near a hospital, to remain in circumstances where, 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 where she can avoid Chil Shabbos? So there are actually some posts who say that she should. There is a, there is a passage in Yudah Chassid, Contemporary posts can bring that there are some there are some sources in postkim that indicate that a person should try to uh, remain in close proximity to the to her hospital. 
I believe that Rav Herschel Schechter is quoted as being of this view, based on the Sefer Hasidim, that, uh, that, that, a, that a, a woman, a person who's expecting to have to potentially be Mechal Shabbos, should be Ezu Chach Maroas Hanolad, should should uh, should you know should prepare in advance as much as she can, as much as he or she can, to avoid Chil Shabbos. So there are poskim, Rav Schechter notably, who do recommend again, whether it's an actual absolute chiyuv or a recommendation, not sure. But there are poskim who say that a woman should avoid, try to avoid the need to mechal Shabbos to the extent possible. Other poskim are not uh, convinced by this. Rav Asher Weiss says a tshuva where he he brings a sefer Hasidim. He says, yeah, Sefer Chassidim says this, he says. However, Kishmo Kainu, Sefer Chassidim is not halacha, he says. Sefer Chassidim is Chassidus. Sefer Chassidim are aspirational things to do, he says. They're not, they're not mandatory. And then, and then he makes the classic calculus, he says, anything that is not mandatory, we have to weigh and balance against cost, he says. And if the cost is sacrificing other things, maybe inconveniencing other people or making, her, m- making life difficult for the family, he says, and so on, so if it's only midas chasidus, he says, then certainly one should weigh the inconvenience and the, the, the imposition that one is placing on others against the against the against the the value of doing this type of midas chasidus. And again, according to the last chelik we saw in the minchas Yehuda, there would potentially be a difference between wh- whether we tell someone to go out of her way to make sure she is near her hospital for Shabbos, and a case where she's actively going to travel away from the hospital for Shabbos. If you're actually going to travel away, as is often the case, a person who lives, let's say, near, a person lives near his or her hospital and is going to actively travel away for Shabbos, that would be more serious than someone who is simply B'Shev Valtasa declining to go close to the hospital. Let's say somebody lives a 10-minute drive from the hospital. You can always get a hotel room that's down the block from the hospital. So that, that much you almost certainly wouldn't have to do. But, but Mikra didn't. But, but, but again, or, or at least there's, there's less of a chance you have to do that. But, if the, but if, the, if, the, if the case is a person does live, a woman does live near her hospital, and she wants to actively travel away from it for Shabbos, so again, as we said, it's much more lenient than the cases we've been discussing because the Chil Shabbos is not a sure thing. All the cases we've been discussing are cases where it's very likely, it's Vadai or Karav Levadai, or it's expected that there will be Chil Shabbos. That's where there is indeed a tremendous amount of debate as to whether you're allowed to take active measures or even passive measures passively to uh, avoid to, whether, you, whether you're allowed to take active measures that will cause Chil Shabbos, whether you're obligated, whether you're allowed to simply passively remain in a situation that you know will result in Chil Shabbos, that's much more of a debate. A case like a woman who's expecting a child, where, where, where again, it's, it's only a suffix, it's only a, you know, especially if it's not actually her due date on the Shabbos, where it's only a suffix and not, and not such a likely chance, then certainly it's much more lenient. Then we have the Sefer Chassidim that says that, that a woman should, shouldn't do that, but that already is something which is uh, not necessarily binding, and contemporary posts can disagree as to, apparently disagree, as to how much of an effort a woman should make to uh, avoid causing Chil Shabbos, even though the Chil Shabbos will certainly be mutter when she has to do it, because of Pekuach Nefesh, how much of an obligation does somebody have before Shabbos to uh, arrange his affairs in such a way that he'll avoid Chil Shabbos. That's what we've been discussing today with the additional point that here it's only a suffix and not something which is considered certain or even uh, very likely.